Welcome to Design for Joy, the radio ministry of Quail Lakes Baptist Church in Stockton, California, celebrating the fact that God's people are designed for the joyful Christian life. We are glad that you could join us for today's broadcast with our pastor and teacher, Dr. Mark Mafucci. And now, let's go to the teaching for today. I hope you have your Bibles handy and take that Bible and turn to Matthew chapter 5. That's where we are today in God's Word, Matthew chapter 5. We're bringing to a conclusion our series, The Light Has Come, with this key concept this morning, your life should point people towards the light of Christ. Point people towards the light of Christ. While you're finding Matthew chapter 5, I'm sure you will agree with this statement. Heaven will be better than this life. Heaven will be better. So why is it then that when we come to know Christ as personal Savior and are born again into the faith, why is it that God leaves us here on this earth? Well, there's a reason for that. The reason that God doesn't take you to heaven right away, even though from the perspective of your individual life and experience, it would make sense if he did, because heaven is better. No matter what you got for Christmas, heaven is better. No matter what you're planning for the new year, heaven is better. The Apostle Paul puts it this way in Philippians chapter 1, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. It's true. Heaven is gain. In verse 23 of that same chapter, Paul goes on saying, heaven is better by far. But God leaves us here in this period of time for a reason. Even though he loves us, he wants what's best for us. He leaves us here as believers in Jesus Christ because we have a job to do. And in the section of the Sermon on the Mount that we will look at today, Jesus describes the job that we, his followers, have to do by using two analogies, the analogy of salt and light. And today as we close out our, our series about the light of the world, we're going to focus on that image of light. So in chapter 5 of Matthew, verse 14 is where we'll start our reading. You follow along as I, as I read there. Verse 14, Jesus is speaking and he says, You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Now, I said a moment ago that he precedes this image with the image of salt, saying, you, believer, are the salt of the earth. Now, briefly, let's note that the primary use of salt in Jesus' day was to stop decay. This was a world without refrigeration, and salting meats allowed them to avoid decay longer. And so the meaning of that analogy is we live in a decaying world tainted by sin, but believers in Jesus Christ are the salt that can slow that rate of decay. We have a positive influence towards health in our societies. 
But this morning, we're focusing on that second image, the image of light. You are the light of the world. Notice with me, it, it implies exclusivity. You are the light of the world. You are the sole source of light through which God shines to a darkened world. Max Lucado, in his book, God Came Near, shares a fantasy parable that he created. He imagines a storm that causes the electricity to go out in his home, and he gropes his way into the closet where he keeps his candles, and, and he quickly takes four of those candles and he lights them as fast as he can, when all of a sudden he hears a voice, and the voice says, hold it right there. He briefly thinks that somebody else is in the closet with him. Once again, the voice says, hold it, I said. And the voice, he notices, is coming from one of the candles. Sure enough, he lifts up the candle and he sees a little face. And the candle is speaking. And the candle says, don't take me out there. Don't take me out of this room. He replies, what do you mean? You're a candle and this is a blackout. You have a job to do. Your job is to give light. It's dark out there. No, says the candle, you can't take me out. I'm not ready. I need more time to prepare. What do you mean, prepare? Well, I've decided to do more research on light giving. I don't want to go out there and make a bunch of mistakes, you know, so, so I just finished a book on wind resistance, and I'm in the middle of a great series of teaching videos on wick conservation and flame display. This was getting a little weird, so he says, well, okay, I'll take one of the other candles. But as he went to reach for another candle, there was a chorus of voices filling the closet saying, we aren't going anywhere. A short, plump Santa Claus candle says, I'm waiting until I get my life together, then I can give light to others. Another says, I'm not stable, I'm too much of a hothead. Once I get my temper under control, then maybe I'll shine. The candle with a female voice said, giving off light is not my gift. What do you mean it's not your gift, he replied. You're a candle, you're supposed to give light. No, no, she says, my gift is leading other candles in song. And so they all broke out into a chorus of, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. But of course, they didn't want to let their lights shine. So one by one, he blew out the candles. He left the closet only to bump into his wife in the darkness. She said, I thought you were going to bring out the candles. And he mumbled something about the fact, well, they don't work. And by the way, where did you get those candles anyway? And she said, I got them down at the sale of the church that closed across town. And he said, there, I understand that. Once again, verse 14, you are the light of the world. Now, two weeks ago, we saw Jesus saying of himself that he is the light of the world. So we would be right to ask, well, which is it? Is he the light of the world or are we the light of the world? And the, the answer is, of course, both are true. The only true light we have to shine into the world is the light of Jesus shining through us. And it's desperately needed. Don't miss that fact. The, in the world around us, darkness reigns supreme. Last week, we were in Jesus' conversation with Nicodemus, and we heard Jesus say in, in chapter 3 of John, this is the verdict 
light has come into the world, but men love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Darkness is what we know. Darkness covers our deeds. And the darkness that Jesus is spe uh, speaking about there is a spiritual darkness that is deadly. There is a spiritual shroud around the hearts and the minds of those who are outside a relationship with Jesus Christ. And left to ourselves, we wish for that shroud to remain. That's where we all are to begin with. And there's danger in the darkness. And danger point number one is in the darkness, people cannot see their way to God. At one point in the ministry of the Apostle Paul, he shares his salvation story with King Agrippa. It's recorded in Acts chapter 26. And in that description, he tells us some details of what happened on the road to Damascus in Acts chapter 9 that we aren't afforded in the account of Acts 9. But Paul says that Jesus spoke these words to him as he called him to Christianity. He says in Acts 26, verse 17, Jesus said, I am sending you to them to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God. The point of all of that is this. Without Saul, soon to be called the Apostle Paul, going and bringing the light the darkness will remain. You see, light needs to break through and dispel the darkness if we find our way to God. Without it, we will not find our way. No one is saved because in our own minds we figured it out. Light needs to be presented to us through witness and through the Word. And secondly, the danger in the darkness is in the darkness we cannot see the way of God. In other words, how we should live. Without the light of God breaking through, we will not be able to live the kind of life that God has called us to. In fact, we'll not want to and we'll not know how to because the, the, best, the blessings and the benefits of a life lived for God is totally missed in the dark. God wants us to live righteous lives in harmony with his principles. And we need to understand why that's true. It's true because God understands that living according to the way he has designed life is the best thing for us. It's not that God calls us to a righteous lifestyle or, or, or a, a pure lifestyle so that he can have a squeaky clean band of goody-goodies following him along. It's because this is the way of our fulfillment. This is the way of our blessing and of our true joy and finding our purpose. And we miss all of that in the dark. Spiritual dark is dangerous. And this means that for those of us who have found the light of Jesus, there's a calling that's placed on all of our lives. Shine the light. One author is a formerly Muslim man who has recently come to Christ as his Savior. And he tells about the conversion experience that he's gone through, the way that it happened. He says that it began at a business party, a situation like many of you go to these mandatory gatherings where you're supposed to do networking and, and the, the company puts you together with 
potential clients and those kinds of things. And as is usually happening in those settings, in this gathering, everybody was standing in small little groups of people, people that they already knew and already were comfortable with, chatting together. But this man was standing alone. He didn't really know any of the people at this gathering. And by his own admission, he says, I'm not good at parties. And so uh, he was standing by himself, kind of watching his watch, wondering how soon he could possibly leave without being noticed. And that was when a, another man excused himself from his little group, walked across the room, and introduced himself to this man who was standing by himself. And that gentleman who had excused himself from his circle of friends was a follower of Jesus Christ. And so they started talking. They talked about their families. They talked about their business. They talked about sports. And eventually, they came around to the topic of faith. It was just an initial conversation. And the man learned that the first individual gentleman was a, was a Muslim. And he said, you know, I'm a Christian, but I really don't know that much about Islam. Maybe we can have ta uh, coffee and talk it over sometime. And that's just what they did. They started to meet for coffee. They met every week and they discussed uh, the, the Muslim faith. This individual shared his ideas about faith and life with the Christian man who was befriending him. And, and over the time, one day, it just seemed natural for the Christian gentleman to share his ideas about Jesus and salvation and security in God. Well, the Muslim man started asking questions. At first, the questions came with a little bit of an edge to them. But the Christian man was patient, and when he didn't know an answer, he said, you know, I'll look into that, and next week when we get together, maybe I'll have some answers. And he did just that. He studied. He talked to other people. He asked people to pray for this ongoing now spiritual conversation. And during their weeks of gathering together and having this talk, the Muslim man started to feel the tug of the Holy Spirit on his life. And one evening, when he was alone in his house, he kneeled down next to his bed and he prayed that Jesus would be his Savior, just like he was the Savior of this new friend. Ultimately, what that Christian man in the story did is something that we all should be doing, and that is just letting the light shine. God used him. And it started with a simple act. It started with a walk across the room. See, in order to be a light for Jesus, we need to enter what I call the zone of the unknown. The zone of the unknown. We all are afraid of the zone of the unknown. It's natural to be. We, we, we like to surround ourselves with people that we're comfortable with with circles where we know what the reactions will be, things are predictable, everything is going to go fine. Yet, what this Christian man did in that business party is he looked out of that little circle where he was comfortable and he saw a man that had a need. He really saw him. He saw him standing by himself and he, and he wondered about him. And not only did he see him, he felt something. And not only did he feel something, he heard something. Maybe not audibly, but what he heard was the Holy Spirit saying, why don't you go over and extend a hand of friendship to that man? When he did that, he had no idea what he was going to find. 
He had no idea what the response would be. He was entering the zone of the unknown. But it's in the zone of the unknown that God works powerfully. God does his best work there. And so when that man said hi and introduced himself there, he was beginning to shine for the gospel of Jesus Christ. That conversation, that walk across the room, literally changed the eternal destiny for that African-American Muslim gentleman. And eventually, it changed the eternal destiny for his wife and then the eternal destiny for his two children. And it all started with a man at a business uh, party who was willing to walk across the room in the zone of the unknown. Just a few steps. But I believe that the gates of hell shuddered when they saw that man taking those few steps. And it's not about being confrontational. It's not about starting arguments or anything like that. In fact, I like this quote from Madeleine Lengel. She's the author of the, of the novel A Wrinkle in Time. You might remember that. She, as a believer in Jesus Christ, she said this, We draw people to Christ not by loudly discrediting what they believe or by telling them how wrong they are and how right we are, but by showing them a light that is so lovely that they want it with all their heart. They want to know its source. And once we uncover that light, what does the light do? Well, the first thing it does, it illumines the way. In the old days, uh, the streets of London were lit by gas lights. And every night, a workman had to go down those streets, light by light, and light those lamps. His, his job was called the lamplighter. And he moved down the road, and, and uh, one day, or one evening, uh, a mother was watching her small boy looking out the window, and uh, she was wondering what he was gazing at. And so she asked him, what, what are you looking at? And the young boy's response was this, I see a man making holes in the darkness. What a tremendous phrase. I see a man making holes in the darkness. This is what we are meant to do as followers of Jesus Christ. Make holes in the darkness, in the areas where we are. Kind of just like that runway that, that the airplane sees in the night and those lights show the plane exactly where to land in safety. And so too, we shine our lights and show people the way to faith. Light illumines the way. And light also reveals the truth. We show people how to live the way that God intended for us to live by our example and by shining the light in our lives. A lot of times, truth comes as a warning, doesn't it? A lot of times what truth is saying is it's saying, watch out, be careful here. I think of those blinking red lights that are mounted on the top of tall buildings so that low-flying planes don't run into them. They're saying, watch out, there is a building here, be careful. My wife, Sylvia, has a fairly new model car, and there's all sorts of warning lights in that car. The light goes on when there's a car next to you. The light goes on when you're drifting out of your lane a little bit. The light goes on when you're too close to the car in front of you, one light after another, telling me what a bad driver I am. 
Eventually, when I stop the car, there's a light that comes on that actually rates my driving uh, based on consumption of gas and, and, uh, and fuel economy. This is an annoying car. It's constantly correcting me, warning me with these lights. But without being annoying, we are to provide the truth, which sometimes comes as a warning. Without being annoying, we are to be able to say, you can't get to God by wishful thinking alone. You can't get to God by good works alone. The truth is that you need Jesus. And when you find Jesus, you find hope and salvation. Lights show the truth. And lights are part of the celebration. Christmas is just past. I wonder if you had any time during this past holiday to take a walk around town and look at the Christmas lights or around your neighborhood. We have some special places that we go to because we know that they'll have a lot of beautiful lights in certain locations. In fact, this year, Sylvia and I took a lot of walks in our neighborhood because our neighbors went all out this year. So if any of my neighbors are watching this broadcast, good job, you brought us joy. Part, that's what lights do as a part of a celebration. They increase our happiness and our experience of joy. They can be flashy and loud lights or maybe muted and relaxing, but they, they increase the intensity of the happiness we feel. And believer in Jesus Christ, your life is like that, properly lived. Your example of a Christian life increases. It adds to the measure of celebration and happiness for the lives around you. The love of the Lord Jesus radiates out for you. And so you're, you're quick to laugh, quick to love. You're quick to abound in grace, uh, show hope, show forgiveness, show mercy, and demonstrate joy. All of that is shining the light of what you have in Jesus Christ. And Jesus tells us that there will be results from all of this. Look at verse 16. That's where the results are given. In the same way, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Jesus says, people will notice your good deeds. People are watching. Part of shining the light is simply the way you live your life and living your life well in a godly manner. Your example makes a difference. That Christian nurse who's taking a little extra caring, care for, for those in need in the midst of this pandemic. That Christian teacher who's taking a little extra time to teach the student who's maybe slow to get it in this online learning. That Christian contractor who delivers an excellent product for their labor at exactly the price that they quoted. That business owner, that shopkeeper, that line worker, the investment counselor, the doctor or lawyer or plumber or office clerk who love the Lord and they treat everyone with fairness and respect and honesty and compassion. See, the world is watching the way we live our lives. They see, they see your good deeds. And Jesus says, and they will praise their Father in heaven. It's not they see your good deeds and they'll think that you're a swell person. Why? Because the light doesn't come from ourselves. We have no light 
in and of ourselves, but we are to shine God's light. But we need to make it obvious that that's what we're doing. Because praise won't go to God if we stand in the way. So it brings us a, a question. What will we do when praise comes our way? Proverbs 27, 21 says this, a man is tested by the praise he receives. You fail the test when the praise stops with you. So how do you make sure that the praise gets to the real source of the light? Well, a jaunty quip, eh, it's all God, that's probably not going to do it on its own. Our lives need to look like it's really more about God than ourselves. We need to live lives that give praise to God, that are oriented towards His glory, and we're giving Him glory on an ongoing basis, remembering to thank Him for answered prayer, showing gratitude as He shows us the way through life. It's like John the Baptist when he talked about Jesus Christ, saying, I must decrease, but He must increase. We decrease, but God increases as we point to Him as the source of the light. It's a humble lifestyle decision that we make day by day, every day, to say, I am the property of Jesus. But your light points the way to Him. And when that's happening, that's us fulfilling our role. Point people to Jesus. That's our job for the year ahead. And we do that together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you give us this challenge to shine as the light, the light of life. It's really you shining through us. So we pray that we're willing, that we're humble enough and able to do that. Lord, sometimes we, we know there are situations where we can speak a word of witness. We see times when we can act in kindness, but we're hesitant. So Lord, enable us to be bold. Enable us to be courageous and to do so filled with humility and filled with hope. And Lord, when people see the hope that we have, we pray that we'll be able to point to you and give an explanation that because Jesus has worked in me, I'm able to share hope with others. Help us do that in the year ahead, we pray. For we ask it in Jesus' name, amen.